0: Our dog, Sammy, loves to bound out of our back door onto our deck, real tough-like, and barks at things. Sometimes it's a magpie or a squirrel. Most times it seems like Sammy barks at nothing, invisible things. Maybe they're there in her eyes. Maybe she sees things we can't see, things like the coronavirus. Four weeks ago today, Friday the 13th, March 13th, we had planned to host an event called Welcoming the Stranger. Because of the growing threat of COVID-19, we canceled the event. The next day, Saturday morning, we gathered for our first staff meeting online, on Zoom, and canceled Sunday morning church. And things have been, been different around here ever since, and all around us. How quickly things can change, can't they? Broken expectations. In the story of Jesus in Matthew's gospel, three times Jesus predicts his death. Jesus warns his disciples, his followers, that he's going to be accused and arrested. Three times before it happens, Jesus tells them he's going to be hung on a Roman cross like the worst of the criminals back in the day. And I believe if you and I were there, if you and I were one of the 12, we would have just shaken our heads. We would have said, what's what's he talking about? Crazy talk. What's gotten into him? And maybe, like them, we would have just ignored it. If we we can't see it or relate to it, it's not real. Like the invisible things my dog barks at on our back deck, like all this pandemic stuff that we started hearing about two months ago. The thought of Jesus brutally beaten and then crucified, killed, murdered on the cross was the furthest thing from their minds, especially after the parade they gave Jesus last week on Palm Sunday, broken expectations. It's not real until it becomes real. Trauma in hospital rooms, pandemics, death and funerals, whether we see them coming or not, they're not real until we're forced to face them, like the story of Good Friday, the story of the cross. Good Friday Friday is about grief and heartache. Good Friday, we're brought to the foot of the cross, Jesus' cross, but ours too, from St. Paul, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection, sharing in the fellowship of His suffering, becoming like Him in His death. Great rallying cry, right? You're not going to see that on a lot of kids' t-shirts or church mission statements. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection, sharing in the fellowship of His suffering, becoming like Him in His death. The verse speaks of the cost of following this Jesus, the sacrifice and the suffering this life will bring. us who follow this Jesus. But the verse also points us to Easter and the promises of that day. And if you're a list maker like me and, and you don't know this Jesus or you really want to know him better, you may want to add Jesus to that list. This might be a good season to get to know this Jesus. In a few moments, we're going to hear the last seven words of Jesus from the cross, the last seven sentences from Jesus that are recorded in the Gospels. I've asked some of our church staff and their families to share personal reflections on these words. I've asked each of them to reflect on a given word or a phrase and then to share how God might be speaking to them as honestly, as transparently, as raw and as real as they can be. Listen in. Jesus' first word from Luke's gospel. As they led him, Jesus, away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified Jesus, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And Jesus said these words, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. This is from Scott Walsh, our facilities director here at the church. Coming into this coronavirus season, I was already partially broken. 2019 brought clarity of seeing my daughter in chains and feeling powerless to assist her in overcoming her addictions. It feels like death, knowing her dreams have been stolen by an invisible thief. This is the little girl and later young lady who dreamed of a big family with several children. She was nearly fearless as a child and so gifted. I miss her. I love the daughter in front of me, but I miss her, too. And then to be crushed again in February as I watched my wife suffer and struggle with her optical issues and lose most of the vision in her left eye. I feel her fear, her pain, and her loss. And now, here today, working at the church after talking with Joe this morning, I reflect on us. We all find ourselves, each one of us, in the same circumstances. Fighting another invisible enemy, too, really. We can see the damage and feel the pain from our invisible enemies, though, can't we? The fear, the loss of so many things, the sense of hopelessness in some. I sense the dark and see its impact on my loved ones, and it pains me deeply. It feels like death, but with no relief. Pain, grief, loss, emptiness. But then I hear these words from Jesus. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Mercy and the desire for mercy for others and ourselves is Christ-likeness. We are children of light, not darkness. Thank you, Scott. Um, Jesus' whole mission, his whole mission on earth summed up by that one line, Father, forgive them. And the them is not just the soldiers who crucified Jesus or the crowds that shouted, crucify him, crucify him. The them is us. The them is me. We are all broken. We are all sinners. We are all knuckleheads. How many times have we messed up? How many times have I messed up and had no real clue how much I really had messed up or we messed up? Not having a good clue what I was doing or who I was hurting. My wife, my two kids... My family, my church family, the staff here at church, the clerk at the grocery store, the guy who comes to the front door of the church asking for a handout. Jesus' first words from the cross, his prayer for us from the cross, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't, don't you fear God, he said. Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. This is from Margaret Rao, our admin assistant for the worship team. These are her words. I never thought I would hear the words, you've got cancer, breast cancer. I was shocked. I couldn't even think as those words started tumbling through my mind. Wait, wait, that can't happen to me. I'm too young. I have a family to take care of. I'll miss Scott, my husband, my grown kids, and my grandkids not done all the Lord wants me to do. Later, in the weeks after that, I heard the Lord speak to me, it's not your time. It's not your time to die. As I went through eight months of surgeries, each time I still wondered, is this it? Then as I woke from each surgery, I was relieved I'm alive. How often do some of us come close to death in our lives? And how do we get up and brush ourselves off and walk again closer to Jesus? I am blessed because it wasn't my time yet, but the Lord Jesus himself did go to the cross and died for me and you. Oh, the hurt and obedience he suffered on the cross just so that we could live. My suffering wasn't anywhere near Jesus' suffering as he went to the cross, but how do I live today because of his death on the cross, his power over death to rise from the dead and be alive? How will I choose to live today? Thank you, Margaret, for those words. Jesus' second word from the cross, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Words of hope and promise in the midst of our struggles. Words shared by Jesus in response to the thief's request, Jesus, remember me. Promises shared with us when we pray those same words, Jesus, remember me. Jesus' third word from John's Gospel. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary of Magdala. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, "Dear woman, here is your son." And to the disciple, "Here is your mother." From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. This is from Leavitt our gifted organist and pianist, who shares about her son, Carter's Thanksgiving Day accident this past year, when Carter was run over by a boat while snorkeling off the coast of Florida and struck with the boat's three propellers. These are Leela's words. I could never relate to Mary as a teenage mom, but always felt compassion for her situation. And I never deeply connected with her as a mother, standing at her son's feet, nailed to a tree, until Black Friday, 2019. When Joe asked me to reflect on the third word of Jesus, I almost choked. In or out of context, they hit too close to home. He's got to be kidding. But then I thought about it. I haven't shied away from the brutality and rea- reality of Carter's accident, so why, why stop now? So I'll share the scene I recently described in a rough draft for a book, a memoir of our family tragedy. We were told to remain calm as we entered ICU room 403. As we walked towards his bed, I remember my knees buckling as I moaned from somewhere deep inside. The nurses were ready to remove me from the room. Hysteria is not allowed in ICU. I held on tightly to Chuck, and together we studied Carter. He was massive, and I thought it was because he's a tall, muscular guy we soon learned that he looked like he was too big for the bed because his body was so swollen from the trauma. Long door handles called external fixators were screwed into his left leg to align and hold the bones together. A tube was stuffed down his throat deep into his chest and was secured with tape across his lips and face. A black brace fastened with Velcro around his right knee and thigh locked them both into place. Plastic that looked like packing tape clung to his right shin and was connected to what we would learn later on to be a wound vac. His entire left hand, his dominant hand, was wrapped in ice and bandages in the shape of a boxing glove. The right arm was missing its forearm. Wrist, beautiful long fingers with large nail beds. Blood seeped through the the bandages where the arm was severed. Dried blood caked his toenails and gathered around the cuticles. Every part of what was wrong with Carter blurred our vision at this moment to what was right with him. His beautiful face remained untouched. His large chest, though covered with wires and tape, looked strong and muscular. The body of our Carter was changed forever. When you give birth to a perfectly healthy baby with 10 fingers and 10 toes, The thought never crosses your mind that five of them could be taken away permanently. Experts claim there are five stages of grief, and one is acceptance. I'm not sure I I ever will accept this change in Carter's body, but I'm determined to find meaning, A, a sixth stage recently added by grief experts. Carter believes his present state is God's will for his life. He's determined to make an impact with his story. He's found meaning, and and although I'm dragging my feet as I still mourn for what's been lost, he's inspiring me to do the same. So it is with Good Friday. We find meeting at the foot of a bloody cross. In his words to his mother, Jesus was reassuring her that she would be looked after and that his suffering would make a difference, a world of difference. It's not until we sink to our knees and see the sun in the brutal grass of the dark side as his mother did that we can accept its significance and rise toward the light of his resurrection. Thank you, Lila. Jesus' third word from the cross. Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. word from Matthew's gospel. From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Reflections on the fourth word from Drew Collins, our worship and arts pastor. Sometimes the best we can do is show up. As a person who deals with anxiety and depression, I've realized that's the case with my faith right now. I'm showing up because that's, that's the best I can do. Last fall, our family had the most difficult season health-wise since Selah's first year of life. Selah is Drew and Sarah's 12-year-old daughter. We felt like we had the wind knocked out of us just in time to get hit again. I'm wounded and weary from the fight. I have precious little faith these days. And what I do have seems to slip through my fingers every time I try to take hold of it. So, do I feel like God has forsaken me? Thank you, Drew. Many of us have the same question, haven't we? There's a bunch of folks out there right now feeling the same thing, saying those same words My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God, where the heck are you in the midst of this? Folks told to stay home, you're not essential. Procedures delayed, not deemed critical. family incomes reduced by half, or jobs lost outright, furloughed at best, wondering, not only how are they going to make a house payment or pay rent this month, but how am I going to feed my kids? Or a loved one on a ventilator in a hospital they can't visit. Doctors and nurses so tired and weary from what they're seeing and experiencing, they are numb, can't, they can't wake to wait they can't wait to wake up from this bad dream. Mary, as she watched her son suffer, the story reminds us she was not alone. The story says she had two dear friends and a sister right there. They they just show up because Mary needs them, needs them to cry with her, to weep with her, to empathize with her, to grieve with her. Not to be perfect, but just to be present. They showed up as they stood at the foot of the cross. As they saw Mary's heart breaking, a mother's heart breaking, they too, I'm guessing, were wondering, God, where are you in this? But maybe, 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 the faintest of a whisper came from deep within their souls, words they couldn't even articulate at the time, but the whisper is there, I am here in you. This is from Lisa Teercursed again. Sometimes when you can't find a footing with your own faith, you just have to go stand on someone else's. Jesus' fourth word from the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Fifth word from John's gospel. Later, knowing that all was now completed and so scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus. Jesus, fifth word from the cross, I am thirsty. This is from Shauna Nicholson, wife of our senior pastor, Ike Nicholson. These are her words. Thirsty. That was the first hint that something very unexpected was going on. On the day that I couldn't seem to quench my thirst, there was this small, nagging thought running through my mind. Surely not. After a year of changes and challenges, a cross-country move, the stress of selling a house that didn't want to sell, learning our way in a new community, I couldn't fathom that we would be faced with an even bigger change in our family. But within a week of that thirsty day, we knew Ike and I were certainly not anticipating another baby, and it took me weeks to wrap my head around it. In his last words, Christ describes a physical need that we have all experienced to some degree. I am thirsty. I am reminded of Ike's and my long-ago thirst, that desert time of wanting a family so desperately and begging God to quench our desire with his blessings. Little did we know that how abundantly he would provide for that need in our life, and how often... In Philippians 3.10, we read, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, sharing in the fellowship of his suffering, becoming like him in his death. Any woman who has given birth understands the suffering, even the nearness to death that is required to bring a new life into the world. In welcoming this new child into our family, with all the risks and pain and even suffering, I get a small glimpse into the suffering Christ willingly underwent for our sakes. In the miracle of the resurrection, the hope of new life, when the baby joins us later this year, we get to share in a small part of that joy as well. Good Friday is a day to consider that our own sufferings, difficulties, heartaches, and inconveniences are part of what it is to be human and an opportunity to share in the fellowship of his suffering. In doing so, we may experience the joy of Resurrection Sunday more fully. Thank you, Shauna. Jesus, fifth word from the cross. I am thirsty. This is the sixth word from John's Gospel. When he, Jesus, had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. This is from Randy Randy Donay, husband of Debbie Donay, our children's director. A week ago today, one week before Good Friday, I worked my last day, as one quarter of my colleagues along with me became part of a temporary furlough from a job that I truly enjoy doing. It had been a week of goodbyes with the hope that we would be called back to work sooner than later, if at all after the coronavirus problem is managed enough that life can start to get back to quote-unquote normal. Eventually, last Friday, my email was shut off and my job was finished. A sadness fell over me and then I knew it was real. Am I a bit, am I a bit anxious? Yes. I'm, am I concerned for my colleagues, both the ones that got furloughed and the ones that remain with excessive workloads? Yes. Will I really get called back to work? I really don't know. Am I worried? No. Why not worried? Because when Jesus came to earth and eventually hung on the cross, it was part of a promise he made to us as believers that he would die and rise again, and more importantly, his blood would wash our sins away and begin a new covenant with us. When he uttered the words, it is finished, the promise he made to us was fulfilled. As I prayed this last week with several colleagues and clients in these unprecedented times, we hung on to his promise that God is ever-present in times of trouble. He doesn't want me to rely on a job or money or prestige or myself in the bad times or even the good. He wants us to trust and have faith in him in good times and bad. He wants our trouble and pain as much as he wants our joy and happiness. When we hear these words from Jesus, it is finished It's actually our opportunity to experience a new beginning with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for thinking about me. I am alive and doing fine because of you. Thank you, Randy. Jesus' sixth word from the cross it is finished. The seventh and last word from Luke's gospel it was now about the sixth hour and darkness came over the whole land till the ninth hour for the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two and Jesus called out with a loud voice Father, Father into your hands I commit my spirit when he said this he breathed his last this is a tough one This is from my 19-year-old daughter, Sarah. If ever there was a time when I, where I felt completely empty and in need of Jesus' almighty love, it was last winter. In September of 2019, I was, I was beyond excited to begin a, a new chapter of my life at PLNU, Point Loma Nazarene University, as a freshman. I really liked my roommate. I was fulfilling my dream of living in San Diego by the ocean, and I was ready to be a college kid. Or so I thought. As soon as classes started, I immediately began to feel the pressure. Between the honors program and all the new changes that were happening around me, I completely lost my footing. I felt so anxious all the time, it felt like I was drowning. I would stare at my laptop trying to will myself just to do something, one thing, one assignment. After two weeks of feeling helpless, overwhelmed and confused as to why I felt this so extremely, I called my mom and finally allowed her to come out to San Diego to see me. I just don't know what to do, I said. After lots of crying, praying, and hard conversations, my parents and I decided for me to come home and take a break for the semester. I did not want to come home and leave my new friends and the place I loved, but we all knew that this was the best thing for me. And over the next few months, I dove headfirst into therapy for for my anxiety. I was determined to figure out what happened and why it happened and how to prevent it from happening again. Well, neither therapy nor God works that way exactly. It was a slow and difficult healing process. I was heartbroken over this lost dream of having a normal college experience and felt left behind while all my friends were away at school. As God so often does, however, He showed up in a big way just in time. I told all my friends I had met at Point Loma what I was going through, and never before have I been so completely surrounded surrounded in love. Especially my my two friends, Jess and Olivia, who are going to be my roommates next year, wholly accepted my struggles and did everything they could to make me feel loved and a part of the Loma community, even from all the way in Colorado. My therapist spoke powerful truths over me and helped me to again realize my worth in Jesus. She helped me unpack why I had these extreme expectations from myself in line with perfectionism and worked with me to let go of them, to let God carry my burdens. My family and friends from high school all lifted me up and helped me feel loved no matter how I was feeling. Time and time again, even in the midst of panic attacks, attacks, dark nights, and feeling completely lost, God was right there with me, guiding me along. He spoke to me through this song, Be Still, by Olivia Georgia, and it says, remember, there ain't nothing you can't handle. Through me, there ain't a mountain you can't move. This year may look like an uphill battle, but I promise you, it's promising to me. This song was an anthem and a prayer for me through that difficult time. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And during that season, I learned how to fully give my struggles up to God, to lay them down at his feet, to lay them down at the foot of the cross. Thank you, Sarah. Jesus, seventh word from the cross. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit.